Welcome back to the We Was Detectives podcast. I'm your host, Brandon. I'm your other host, Chanel. And we are back to talk about a bunch of stuff, but mainly to talk about True Detective Night Country, Episode 3. Uh, before we get into the show, just remember, you can rate us and review us on iTunes, uh, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcast at. Leave us a five-star review. If you do, we'll read it on the show. You can also email us at wewasdragons at gmail.com. Uh, for new listeners, we started this podcast recording House of the Dragon, and so we just kept the email uh, as we went through sure different did. types of shows. So email us at wewasdragons at gmail.com. We did get two emails. We got one from our girl Sonia, who's been listening to us since day one. Yay. She said, hi, Chanel and Brandon. I cannot watch this show, but I love yep. listening to you both review it. I'm too prone to nightmares for the jump scares in the show. I love the geographical facts. That you both included about the first episode and the size of Alaska. I had no idea how large Alaska is. Yeah, it's fucking huge. Hearing about the guy waking up in the ice after his arm was snapped off, ain't no way. Fair. I, I Fair. love to play by play. I cannot sit through it by myself, but it's so entertaining to hear you both talk about it. Can't wait for the next episode. I'm so glad to have you back. Best Sonia. Yeah. Thank you. We're glad to have you back, babes. Thank you so much. Um, I want to uh, echo that. So we are getting back into the swing. We have, we were not recording regularly during the fall semester. We're back at it now. And so we're grateful to everybody who's popping back up and getting back in sync with us. Um, you can always go back and listen to our old shows. I genuinely think it's a great way to like clean or do a drive, just like put something on that's inconsequential. You don't have to watch your shows to follow along with us. That's kind of part of by design. Um, and if, if if I sound so bad that it's upsetting to you, I do apologize. I'm just getting over this virus. So with that said, I want to bring up another email we got. So our friend Tiffany emailed us earlier this week and said, so I found y'all's podcast after the second episode of True Detective. So excited. So excited. And I'm like, I think these folks are brown, black slash brown like me. We are indeed. Uh, 60. <laughs> Sorry. 63 more seconds in and Brandon is telling people to fuck off okay Chanel is telling folks to choke because they gave you a one star review I'm sorry <laughs> when you read it back and let and know that this is so factual this is exactly how it happened I lost a bad taste in my mouth I didn't even finish the episode it sounds like you might review other stuff I like like Invincible gotta be prepared for some people not to like what you do don't turn off people who are very much open trying to support your podcast and podcasting style maybe I'll try again next week and I cannot tell Tiffany how grateful we are for the feedback and the conversation and letting us know because you know if you listen to more than one episode you know all we do is fuck around so I don't I don't I don't know how serious we were. We probably meant it, but we weren't serious. And um, but we do definitely read one star reviews. We do read um everything that people send in, and we apologize if we are seeming closed off. But we're also sensitive about our shit. So with that said, emailed her back. Um, I acknowledged how she felt and that it was valid, and also let her know that we generally speaking do listen to feedback. And she said she'll give us another try. So thank you for that. Um, so the last thing I would say then is if anyone is in the Brockton, Massachusetts area and wants to go support Tiffany, please check out Green Tea, Green Tree Yoga Wellness um, because we love supporting Black business. So uh, if you have, I, I, I hate to go right back into this trap, but don't waste our time being mean. 
you can email us to mean things, but give us a five star rating on on all the apps. Okay, let's let's do it that way. Um, but yeah, thanks for Tiffany and Sonia for checking in. So before we get into True Detective episode three, yes. which I was really excited about because I thought it was an exactly. excellent episode to move the plot forward. Chanel wants to talk about ratchetness. So I'm gonna yes. pass the I'm gonna pass the mic to her to talk about uh ratchetness. On my old it's podcast, important. I used to have a segment called Ratchet TV, and we would talk about all the different well, I when I would have guests on who was into the Ratchet TV, they would come on and they would talk and I would give them time to just talk about all the Ratchet TV. And I would get informed from the Ratchet TV. And so I actually went away this weekend for a horrible weekend. Because mm-hmm. I oh, flew we both, all the we way both home. Had a bad one. We both had a bad one. All the way home to watch my Baltimore Ravens, paid a ton of money to go to the game in person, only for them to play the worst game of the year, lose. And then I go to my friend's house to watch the second game, which I was rooting for the Lions because I wanted the all black city Super Bowl. And then they shit themselves in the second half and lost. And then I'm driving back to my mom's house and then I hit a pothole and blew out two tires. Uh, so it was a disaster weekend. So I'm not up on the drama, but Chanel is up on the drama and she wants to talk about it. Facts only. Um, man, the Lions, you guys, we did we did so good. I'm so proud of y'all. And uh it's still Detroit versus everybody. We'll see you next year. Thank you for a great season. You know, what a time to be alive as a Lions fan and a Detroiter. Um I do sound terrible. I can hear it. I'm so sorry, y'all. So this is what I wanted to share. Actually, I might not share as much as I want to the more I hear myself. But here's what's happening right now, as we all know. Um, Instead of us just having a regular rap beef, there's a lot of um, spiritual and celestial shifts happening. So when Cat Williams came, it's kind of like not to be funny. Actually, I won't even say it that way. Um, 2020 started off with a terrible event that affected the black community and people were like, oh, I'm not going to, some people were like, I'm not going to be pessimistic. And some people were like, oh, this is terrible. This year is going to be terrible. And 2020 was in fact a terrible year. All I don't give a fuck if you want to be positive or not. It was a bad year all around, right? Unless you were a billionaire who shorted fucking Kleenex and, uh, and sanitizing wipes, your ass had a bad year 2020, right? Well, so, the only good thing that happened was Trump lost. Trump lost, but also like at what you know what I mean at what expense, right? So yeah, I agree with you, but also Trump is um Trump didn't really lose because the election was stolen. You didn't know that? <laughs> I'm joking, <laughs> Tiffany. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. We are really joking. Okay. Um. Anyway, so yeah, it was a bad year. This year is a year of reckoning. Cat Williams kicked this shit off. He let us know what the fuck was going on three days into the year, and the rest of this year is about blowing out the rest of the smoke that's been no, sitting because there. because Cat Williams was anti-black. Didn't you hear that? Because he I mean, only I think was that... a black comedian, so he was anti-black. <laughs> I mean, and I think, you know, you've said this, right? Like, being able to critique black people on the same level, to some extent, is equality and equity. The problem is that we have to be careful how we use that to empower and people who are truly racist and prejudiced against us, but that like, you know, to be like, Oh, even your own people say this about you. Like, but that's neither here nor there. Um, there's a person, there's a very famous rapper who has a fan base that is really toxic, like insanely toxic. 
And Boosie. then there's and then there's no Boosie himself is well okay fair enough I don't <laughs> think anybody rides the Boosets don't ride hard enough as this ladies <laughs> people but Megan Thee Stallion is a rapper who's if, if we're being honest she would have continued to just snipe on fine men and shake her ass and we never would have had any and drank Kenny that would have been all we heard from her if she hadn't had. Uh, violence perpetrated against her because when you think about it she wasn't causing no problems she was friends with all the rap girlies like Megan Thee Stallion is not the issue I'm not saying she's not she's perfect I'm not saying she can't fuck up or you have to be perfect to get support but what I'm saying is that she had this stuff happen and became like a symbol of all this other shit that she didn't really ask for so with that said I do think rap all's fair and love and rap beef right like it's okay if um like like you know Pusha T literally gave uh, dedicated drake's son to the world like literally did had a coming out a sip and see for drake's son that we wouldn't have had i like all that shit's crazy all that shit's very personal i think um you know you can if you want to talk about if you think talking about dead parents is equal to talking about criminal histories have at it if you can sleep at night right but the problem right now and i was actually on um a really amazing comedian named Yamanika Saunders. If anyone lives in New York area or she's touring in your city, go see her. Um, and also she's on this show called Life After Beth um, on Hulu with starring Amy Schumer. Anyway, and Michael Cera, watch for him, if nothing else. Um, so she, uh, we were on her live last night, which was a very nice treat for me as a, a aspiring funny girl. And she was saying she didn't understand why people were trying to say that the Bigfoot response was so bad and I was telling her because it was a okay song from a terrible person and so people are just excited to have her to see Noelle's demise at this point in time um and so that's I'm I'm that's where I'm at with it um I think she's a terrible person I think she's beyond an apologist I think she's a supporter of people who harm women um, and I think that's just been proven time after time. I don't give a fuck what your affiliation is. Blood ties do not outrank like abuse. They just don't, right? So with that abuse and violence, like they just don't. So with that said, um, I think it's a very interesting conversation because right now, for example, her fans are make are trending, and they're trying to get some of the her bars. songs. Why would you mention them by name? I went out of my way not to mention them. I like seeing the barbs. But you don't want them here. You don't want them in this. So you want to talk about one star reviews? You want to talk about you want to talk about tanking a podcast ratings? Please. <laughs> um I, I said like to say, like they're trying to get her to stream, to, to stream and go and go crazy. And I think that's amazing. Let her stream, let that lady go off. You love that. But the problem is that they're also Delulu. And so it's like they're up all night doing bullshit. Um, for example, four hours ago, Pop Base tweeted, the cemetery where Megan the Stallion's mother was laid to rest has notified local authorities and increased security after the location of the cemetery was leaked. As <laughs> Why are you laughing? Because it's funny. It's not, it's terrible, but it's funny how ridiculous people are. Oh. Okay, say that part. Yes, it, I mean it's it's dark. Uh, it is. I mean, especially because like this girl just don't like. It's not like she lost her mom. Like it's terrible. It's not 
it's just not where but we want to go. But here's the thing. I don't particularly care how terrible Nikki is to Megan or how terrible Megan is to Nikki in a rap beef. I mean, that's what rap you're, beefs are. You're They're saying, terrible. You're saying what Yamanika said. I think what we're saying. I have saying a problem that... with, but the fans are the problem. So, like, when, when, <laughs> well, we didn't have Twitter in 1995. But in 1995, when Tupac and Biggie or Bad Boy and Def Row were beefing, they they didn't go. They weren't like going on Twitter and like putting out where's Tupac Mama staying at. Why don't you roll up on her mom on on a Phoenix house or something like that? Right, like that didn't happen. But so like, I think I mean to me, I like a good old fashioned rap beef. The uh, women in rap have been like the dominant figures in my opinion recently, mainly because you know. When you're when you're when the guy when the guy rapper of your generation is Drake, your generation's not that great. So to me, women have kind of taken over for me in hip hop. But you know, all the women were so nice to each other. You know, Cardi's doing songs with Megan and everyone's like everybody's nice to each other. And I did want to see a nice, good old fashioned rap beef. I just don't like how the fans are acting, particularly uh Nikki's fans. Not, not, not for me. Yeah, I would just say that if this is a time for this lady's career, not even career, like the reason why people say to mute people, to not give them their money to boycott is because money is objectively in the Western world an indicator, and most of the other parts of the world, an indicator of success, right? Very few things can make a lot of money and people not say, well, there must be something good or profitable or successful or worthwhile about that thing. So when something continues to make money, it will overcome the trending, the protests, the petitions. So I guess what I'm trying to say is that you do have to boycott and you do have to stop screaming. You do have to let someone know when you don't support their actions because otherwise they have literally no reason to change. And then that rapper that you keep mentioning, saying her real name, is one of those people who, like, when you try to hold her accountable, she will blame misogynoir and talk about, like, what how the industry is tough against Black women, but then does not give a fuck when the industry is tough against Black women, too, or will be will happily parrot the same thing said to her. So it's, like, it's, it's the inconsistencies for me, right? So it's, like, I can't say, I can't talk to you about my, my, my issues with, like, television and representation and then get a job where I'm like, you know, I'm a, 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 I'm a white guy doing a black man voice on a, a fucking Seth, what's that man's name? Seth Green? Seth Myers. Seth Myers. No, that's not his name. What's Seth, Seth Rogen? Oh, Seth McFarlane. You talking about yeah, Family Guy, you. man? <laughs> thank you. Is there a Seth Rogen? Is that his name? No. <laughs> There's uh um... What's his name? He's actually Am a good dude, from what I understand. I don't know why you were putting him in that. In that is Seth Rogen? I was yeah, just Seth Rogen's a good dude. <laughs> I love Seth Rogen. I don't know why I was like, I make up his first name and just give him a Jewish name. I love Seth Rogen. I just was naming all the Seths I can yeah. remember. Seth Myers is also a good Jew. Anyway, the problem here is that 
Um, my point is just to say that I got really off track is that you cannot be like the world is against black women. And then the first chance you get to profit, be like, okay, well, I'm a profit off of how the world is against black women. Same shit, same reason why like you could be like, oh, Tori's music is fine. But I was like, his music's not good enough for him to be using bla like black women and women lie about uh, to the police narratives that we know are not true at all and, and disproportionately you you can't use that immediately to tell me why the prison system is bad that's not why the prison system is bad prison system is bad because of these well, other yeah things, of course because, <laughs> right and so yeah. that's kind of what the issue is. so all that to say we stand for <laughs> megan we stand the stallions we're hot me and brandon are both hot girls and i don't know what you don't like the rap beef you can't separate no, I, the two. i i i i am we not had a rap enjoying, beef a few years ago. Let me tell you what I'm not enjoying. I enjoyed Drake versus Push. I enjoyed Drake. We had a guy say you are Kanye. hiding a child. It doesn't get much I more said, personal than I that. I said <laughs> Pusha bought mitzvah Drake's son for him. I get it. Bar mitzvah, whatever, right? What I'm saying is that the reason why this started was because Megan reminded us all that her husband is a sex offender. That is not right. a shot across the bow for you to say, oh, you want to go? I'm ready. You cannot respond to that righteously. You have no standing. So you can beef all you want to, but you don't have standing. So your beef better blow my mind where I'm like, goddamn bitch, you just said what needs to be said. You said all oh, shit we already know. It The beat was fine, but it's like, I just want her to grow and stop being this woman, but it's kind of like she is who she is, and oh, now that I petty. can't unsee it, I, I mean, she's petty, she's nasty, she's harmful to women. It's very similar to when the Diddy shit came out, and people were like, oh my god, yes. is Carisha okay? And then eventually people said, y'all, maybe Carisha doesn't give a fuck, and that's what you really have to make peace with, is that all these women in the industry who rise to the top are not rising to the top because they're righteous people who tried their best. Some of them are assholes and bad people as well. So all that to say, Black women have to try really hard to lose grace from me, but she has lost that other lady has lost my grace because of the shit. Why you keep saying the other lady? They're not about to bomb our podcast. I'm not even going to put it in that. the show description. Okay, great, great, great. Well, I just feel like AI. I feel like they, if they get smart enough, they'll use AI <laughs> to scrub the internet. Anywho, so um, you know, I hope that Megan continues to heal inside and out. I'm excited to see where this album goes because I think she is like she's doing what Drake did in response to push. Did you listen to the song? With, Big oh, Flutter, whatever it's called. Yeah, I didn't stream it though. I found it on the internet and listened to it so that she didn't get any streams. But I mean, like. There's a couple bars in there. I like that she was able to bring up again. If if Drake, let me put it to you like this, because Drake's not gonna respond in the same way, right? Because Drake's a bitch. But yes. so if she spoke mostly about Drake and Tori, Tori's not gonna respond. It's gonna, you know, what I mean, it's gonna be a collect call. We're not gonna be able to listen to the song without putting in a quarter to the machine. With Drake, he's not gonna respond. But say Drake had done an exact rap. I would have said, well, damn, he, he got her because he named every man she's been suspected of fucking, and I'm sure the list is longer than that. Cause, but then I'd be like, why am I sure the list is longer? Because Megan never lies about fucking on. She's she's right. let you know she'll fuck you and your daddy and a white girl named Sarah. She she's not scared. Like that's so on the table. So what else? What else is? That's why it's like, mm, this is actually not, this is actually lukewarm the way that you're trying to act like it is because you haven't told me anything I don't know. And like she suggested that she had sex with her mom's 
boyfriend after her mom passed, which is like, okay, are you telling me he needs to go to jail? Because you're you're telling me stuff that's not, I'm, you're not telling me anything that makes me point a finger at her. So, and that's allegedly. <laughs> so anyway, um, and then the big tea that came out was that she she called Ken the Barbie, I think, which is this guy blogger. Um, she called him ugly in her rap. And then he turned around, allegedly, um, turned around and posted these of Nicki Minaj's tax liens and if they are accurate they suggest that <laughs> if she tours the majority of her revenue from touring would go to pay off these tax liens she is like they said that one of her companies apply for a PPE loan like that's this is such a millennial beef this is so millennial. it is a millennial beef but what I'm saying <laughs> is that so if you're going to talk about how rich you are and she's 42 by the way if you're going to talk about how rich you are and how you're the number one artist, and none of these bitches can touch you. And then I find out you have a tax lien. Miss, ma'am, reset how you're coming about this. You don't have the up. You don't have the righteous. You're not on the good foot. You don't have the righteousness. And making fun of somebody getting shot is not funny to me. Make fun of something that you, but you can't make fun of her body. You can't make fun of her hair. You can't make fun of her face. You can't, you can maybe make fun of how she rides a beat. I will give you that. You can't make fun of how she rides a dick though, because she's goaded in that. So it's just like, there's very little to come at for Megan and you need to know your opponent. Don't, don't do this to you. She did this to herself. So those are my takes. If I upset you, I'm sorry. If you're a barb, I want, and I'm not joking. If you are a barb, I need you to stop. I need you to breathe. And I need you to, to listen to some music, listen to some gospel, listen to some Kenny G. I need you to just detach from the matrix right now and recognize that that lady is pulling something out of you that's not healthy. And that's that's what I have to say on that. That was very righteous of you, Chanel. <laughs> we know where you stand. You do. Know I just want to. I just want to hear good music. Why can't like exactly. where the good diss song? Where did the good diss tracks? And now I sound like an old man on my porch. <laughs> when I was growing up, we got beefs every six months, and the fair, songs were fair. good. Fair. The last thing I'll say about it is that if you compare lyrics, um. Megan's lyrics go way harder. I think her flow, though, is very regional and very specific to where it's like she raps like a man from Houston. And I'm not saying that she's manly. I'm saying like, though, like if you're from Detroit, as I am, Houston rap got limited play in your house because the cadence is so different. So I will say that she's super mainstream and super Less pop in a way that's still okay. And I don't know, I never couldn't, couldn't pick him out of the lineup. But I'm saying that to say, like, she raps in a way. So I want people to be aware of that, right? Like, there's a way to rap. that. There's a Jack Harlow way to rap, right? Which is, like, going to be universal. And then there's if... that, that And then there's the reason why people say they do not understand the appeal of Eminem. Because he's from a different region and it doesn't reach them. And a majority of people who say, this shit bangs it and the way that you're used to hearing rap and so it seems off to you i think that's that's my only thing about megan is that i don't want her to change her flow but i want her to find a way to really like get mass appeal in her in the way that she, she raps did, because, because i think the south people, one you gotta remember the south one and the south will so, rise again as well 
The South won. It, it's over. So, it, All hip-hop is Southern influence now. There's no... no... I'm talking about the Civil War. I'm talking about bringing slaves back. Slaves, the slaves not coming back. Also, Nikki did <laughs> okay. do Monster, so you can't take that away from her. But did she? Now we she need to go Monster. back and look like who, like, is there a ghostwriter? Is we're Safari involved more than we think it? And I'm not trying to take away her accomplishments. I'm saying her pen That is her accomplishment, in my opinion. She did but Monster. That's is, it. <laughs> her pen is not pinning right now. Her pen is no, not pinning right not. now. And she should be getting better like can you imagine asking Beyonce to do a run and she does anything that's not the best thing you've heard so far like get out the game when you're there get out the game when you can't come up with nothing new. get out the game and then come back when you're inspired but you know why because she can't because allegedly there's tax liens and her husband can't really work because that man don't got no don't got no kind of degree he has a, a, a criminal record and he's a registered sex offender so she's the only breadwinner okay well well, I will put a time note for those who don't want to hear yeah, Chanel go off on Nikki, but I think you should listen to it. So uh, that will be there for you. Let's just say I supported Megan less than I went off on Nikki. That's all I'm uh, That's a bit of a stretch. I think you felt that way in your head. I don't think that's how it I came do, out. I don't want that smoke. You know, you won't get on, the smoke. Um, Bon Iver, no. There's a lot of writers on. I don't think we're the Barb demographic. I don't think we're their demographic. We'll see. We'll find out. You ready to talk about True Detective? What a bad bitch that came from Sri Lanka. Yes. Wow. You know what? And you know what, though? That was um, damn near motherfucking 15 years ago. So that's really what we need to. That's really more. Nothing but a G thing was 30 years ago. And I don't consider Dr. Dre in the top 10. So Dr. Dre is a terrible rapper, but his albums are awesome. It's a difference. Right, but I don't consider him to have top 10 albums because it's not recent. It's not consistent enough. He did his thing. He's impactful. He's notable. But if he came out today with some hippity-hop, hippity-hop shit about D-Bombs. He did Compton like four years ago. Which is literally the same. No, I'm saying this. If he came out with... Okay, but... um, Right, and but again... That didn't make me go, oh, you know what? I forgot Dr. Dre's one of the top 10. I don't feel that way because it's not consistent. So that's all I'm saying. And I was, and did, I don't know if you caught what I just said. I said if he came out with a diss track against Guy Barnes, which is literally the same energy of like, I do something <laughs> wrong and then I try that's to diss on that. Part. I don't that's think the same that's the exact energy. Same energy. <laughs> that I is think when, you, when you're wrong and then you double down on it as if you're offended because she spoke up, that's a problem. Anyway, True Detective, Night Country. Uh, this shit got weird. You said you loved it. I was so confused. Well, here's the thing, and I will get into the play-by-play, but I think that what the show is doing is it's telling, it's, it wants you to try to figure out what's real and what's not real. Um, and I think okay. I have a good idea about what the hell is actually going on here. And we'll talk about that as we go on. But I liked how they weaved in and out of the supernatural this episode. And another big thing, I don't know if you noticed this, you know, but the first two episodes, we spent a lot of time in White Ennis at the police station, at the bar. We went to the mine a couple times, the ice skating ring. It was a lot of White Ennis. And in this episode, it was a lot of indigenous in us. We went to like the nomads out in the middle of nowhere. We were like with uh, 
we went back. We had a flashback to like a uh, what do they call it? A birth. Um, what do they call those? Birthing center. A birthing center. Yeah, a birthing center with a midwife of a, a native. You know, indigenous people giving uh, for giving birth the traditional way. Like we saw a lot of uh, indigenous culture in Ennis this episode, and I thought that was. And I think the show did a really good job of setting that up and then giving us a stark contrast of like what life is like in the same town with different groups of people. So I thought that was a really good thing this episode. So one of the good things the show does is it lets us know what's going on. So I think we initially thought it was like 30 days of darkness, but I think it's only like seven. I think it's seven days of darkness or something like that or something, something like that. Um, but anyway, we find we we get it. We, they give us time. They give us time uh, stamps uh, to let us know what's going on in the episode. I'm looking up how many days of darkness are in Ennis, just so I can be accurate. No, it's not 67 days a night. I think it's like it's, it's something shorter than that. Um, they, but anyway, they but they start to show off with a flashback seven years ago, and. There's like a woman screaming in this door, and Navarro's outside the door. She's like, "What the fuck is this?" And she busts in the door, and we finally get to see Annie Kotak, who we haven't seen. we've heard about her this entire time. This is the woman that got her tongue uh, ripped out and was killed horrifically. That we've been uh, looking at this entire series, and we get to see her yeah, alive. The whole show is whose murder the whole show is about. Yep, um, and like you said, she was actually. Navarro was going to arrest her because yes. of like some of her vandalism or they were basically she was doing what they're doing now in the mines but like I think it was maybe less organized or less strategic and so anyway she goes to a restaurant she's like okay bet you can but however this baby gotta come and I really enjoyed what I think thinking about the character now as we recap it we learn more about Navarro and how like she takes care of her sister and she has this disconnection from her mom. And so I think, and then she's also like not a girly girl. So I think her literally being there for the birth of a baby, like I think that's a very, with a bunch of other native women who she is not really in community with. I think that's why, that's probably a part of why Annie's death really got to her because like she was a person who connected her to that, to her culture. Yeah. The woman that was going through labor Looked up and was like, "Why is that bitch here?" <laughs> so clearly, they didn't yeah, fuck with her. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. And yeah, so uh, so Annie is uh, is a midwife, so she's delivering this baby in like this hot tub. I imagine that hot tub is in high demand in Ennis, Alaska. I can't imagine there's that many of them out there. So she's doing the Lord's work by using it for good, because it could be used for a lot of things in Ennis, Alaska. Um, she's like what is she doing here and Annie's like well she's helping out and Navarro was just basically disarmed at this point so and she was just like all right then what you need yeah literally (laughs) yeah so she made her go get some water and stuff and then uh she gives birth to the baby and the baby comes out but she's the baby's not making any noise and so the mother is getting worried she's like why is the baby not crying like why is the baby not crying and they're very communal there. So it's like some people there trying to ca- keep her calm. And then you look to yeah. the side and it's like Annie trying to resuscitate the baby. She had like this oxygen machine. She's doing some sort of CPR to get the baby to uh, make some noise. And then probably 20 seconds later, 
you hear the you hear the baby crying and realize that the baby's okay. And I thought this was a really beautiful scene. It's not something you see in mm-hmm. television often, particularly at this all. style. At this all. style. I mean, also like birth. yeah, we hear about like doulas and um the re- birthing centers is even I think when we talk about like, the struggle of Native women, Indigenous women. That's even deeper than the struggle of Black women because at least Black women are able to be mainstream and like right. they're still, we're still doing first, but like they're like Indigenous women are doing first, first, you know what I mean? Um, right now. And so all that to say, like um, them, but I think the other thing that's never mind, I see what I'm gonna say that. I, I would say this though it is wonderful to see women like and maternal health and seeing it in this way, like you said, and then also seeing that those women were capable of taking care of that baby. Because I think a lot of times we try to downplay like tr- like generational knowledge and as right. if like, oh, these women are qualified, but like they brought that, they literally CPR that baby back to life. They had the tools ready. Like this is a legitimate enterprise. It's not just, it's them taking care of themselves because the doctors are probably all white and they probably don't have great experiences. So I really enjoyed that. I actually did. So then Annie turns herself in, and Navarro seems like she ain't want to arrest her at that point. Um, so then we cut to the present, and they tell yeah, us. Yeah, Navarro's like, what am I, an asshole? Like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Like, she's just like, damn. They cut to the present. It says December 22nd, the fifth day of night. Uh, you see, uh, you see, like, so I used to live in Phoenix, and when I was in Phoenix, that was at the time when they had those dudes that was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to patrol this border. And they got their guns and they rode in their pickup trucks down to the border in Arizona. And their job was, I'm going to patrol this border and I'm going to stop these migrants from coming over and infecting our country. Not my words. Obviously, I don't believe that, but I'm pretending to be them. And so they would just roll up there and think that they deputized to handle some shit. Well, you cut to this episode and look like they're about to do a search for Raymond Clark. And next thing I know, I see a bunch of white dudes. Good old boys. By the way, they had this is how you know they were ridiculous. They had on camouflage in Alaska. <laughs> in Alaska. Not white camouflage, like you would see like real, like someone who was yeah, legitimately like, like wearing. Uh, yeah. They had on like green and brown, like camouflage, like they out in the forest in Louisiana. In Alaska. Yeah, like, in the, like they're in the swamp boys. These are ice cowboys for sure. I mean, first of all, again, Hank is a dirty cop. I don't know how else to tell you niggas this. He is not for us because he literally, like you said, calls some unqualified people in and go do a search. Doesn't like literally randos, like puts out something on Tinder and says, hey, show up here, right? Or grinder, I guess this grinder alert. The um uh, what's her name? Danvers is like, what the fuck? Like, why are you hyping him up like this? We wanted him alive. No, I think Navarro was like, we want no, that was alive. Navarro. Doing? She's like, yeah, make she's sure like, he's alive. Yeah, we're not hunting like, this why? man. He, <laughs> yeah, but they're like, they're like, where the like they? She wants a confession. She wants to know like what the fuck is because this is gonna close that cold case. Um, and he's being an asshole, but I also think he most likely has something to be gained by covering this up. Oh yeah, because we find again, out some stuff I, yeah, I think he's into yeah, and I t- and I and I called it, I called it episode two. So with that said, though, um, I do remember the border shit because they're still doing it. Like right now, there's judges telling them to stop putting barbed wire up in the border in Texas. Like they're they're constantly like they're obsessed <laughs> with like keeping people out and like. Police and it's like, or you could just literally live your. What if you just live your life? What about that? 
Yeah, so you know they they go out looking for Raymond. So they running through Alaska looking for Raymond with they you know, they January not gonna find him. I'll tell you that right now. It, yeah, it, yeah they're that group is not gonna find them unless it shows. Yeah, they weren't serious concerned. people. There's some serious fucked up right wing militia people that you don't want to fuck with. These people look like jokes. They were like the January six losers. I I think they literally had beer. Yeah, and they did have beer. <laughs> Uh, so then they cut to the police station. Uh, we find out that Anders, the leader of the facility, the research facility, is still in a coma. They had to amputate both his legs and one of his arms. We find out. Uh, so they cut. They go into this room and we see all the evidence from the trailer that we saw last episode. Uh, and Liz is like, "All right, we gotta go through this shit." And then Pete was like, and she was like, "Yeah." He was like, "Go tell Navarro to get over here too, so we can go through this shit." And Pete was like, "I thought you hate that bitch." And she was like, listen, I hate everybody. I hate you. Stop asking me questions. And people was like, look, I I put I give up everything to come help you every fucking day. You're going to tell me this one fucking story. What happened between you and Navarro? So I really loved what happens next yeah, because yeah. I, I think one of the best things that's done in media and television is an unreliable narrator. When the person telling the story, you cannot trust their word, right? And so Liz gives the story to Pete that there's this really terrible person named William Wheeler, and he basically did all types of fucked up shit, went to jail, got out of jail, came back and got with this woman, and then just started beating the shit out of her, raping her, like doing all types of terrible stuff to her. Really horrible piece of shit human being. But... Every time they they all knew what he was doing, but every time they would try to like bring him up on charges, she would be like, "No, don't do it," like that type of thing. And I, at this time, I guess at this where they're at, if the woman doesn't press charges, and you can't, you know, you can't bring charges, is what they want you to believe. So mm-hmm. they find they all knew what was going to happen, though. They all knew like he was going to take this woman out at some point, and he took her out. He killed her. They show up at the house. And what she says to Pete is that it was a murder-suicide. We showed up at the house. The woman was dead. He had shot himself. It was a horrible scene. And it kind of fucked with me and Navarro. But what the show actually did was while she's telling the story, they're like showing it in a flashback. And they show up in the house. And this motherfucker is just, the woman is dead laying on the floor. But Mm -hmm. William Wheeler is just sitting in a chair like he was waiting for them. Happy. Laughing almost. Yeah, he starts whistling and shit, and then they cut away, so we don't see what actually happened, but we know it wasn't what he what she told Pete. What did you think about that scene? I mean, I think it makes sense, right? That um, no, I know. Okay, I just got distracted. I'm gonna tell you what happened, but um, I think it makes sense because it's clearly something happened that like shifted the trajectory of Navarro's career. And um, if it's not because they were having a lesbian affair, then I think it has to be something about like you know, a lot of people are saying that that's a big theory. I, I, I know TV. I'm just kidding. I don't know if that's true, but uh, I think there is like there's illusions and the pilot was so unclear about some things that it left it left people to do that. But anyway, I just wanted to say that. um, Yeah, I think with. I think it would explain a lot of the tension and why, like there's potentially um i mean i'd be curious to see if navarro is covering for danvers 
or if Danvers is covering for Navarro or what that dynamic is. Um, and also just like how it was handled. I think that is so interesting because we saw in the pilot as well, Navarro um, arrested a, an abuser and was like, and, and really like did the right thing, but maybe like the wrong police thing in that situation. Well, Liz like, said in the, in the pilot as well that like Navarro has, for lack of a better term, she has a hard on for people who bother women. Remember she was talking to, Somebody at the table, I think it was Pete. She was talking to Pete about that. And she was like, Yeah, she she that really triggers her or whatever. So I think that's related to this. But also, I think Hank is related to this because the way she treats Hank, it's like she don't really fuck with Hank, but she can't do anything, which leads me to makes me believe that like Hank may have something on her. And so my theory is that whatever happened with William Wheeler, Hank knows about it and kind of holding that over her head. And so she kind of, even though she gets angry with her, she don't actually do anything because of whatever the fuck happened there. That's my theory. Yeah, what's I, going think, on I think I'm looking forward to it and seeing if there's any other nuance or twist to it. Because the one thing about this show is there's all this history that happened and they don't feel the need to tell you in any particular order. You know what I'm saying? Like, you'll find out when you find out, basically. Um, the thing that distracted me was apparently at a Hawks game, they played the Bigfoot song. And that is confusing to me. It was pop culture. And it's Atlanta. And Nikki's from New York. Yeah, but it's so, Atlanta. I don't Have know. You, you used to live in Atlanta. You know how weird Atlanta is? That's a, that's absolutely an Atlanta thing. Um, I guess it just seems weird because it's not even a... I, I mean, I, okay, 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 okay. I don't want to get back into it. You're right. Okay. You are Atlanta. You should you the one that told me about the restaurants and all the weird shit that they do down there. Um yeah, I guess I just say like um by the way, Keith it, Lee is here right now in Dallas. Yeah, and I heard I heard he's getting misdirected. Yeah, that's what that that's what they said. I am keeping up with I just saw a pop up on my feet. They I never heard of him. Be- That's another person I learned. Of oh him. yeah, 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 yeah. You, I forgot you didn't know. Have you been watching his any of his reviews? I read up about um, where where was he? Where somebody got mad at him. Somebody got mad at him recently, and I read about it. But I haven't really watched any of his reviews yet. Maybe I'll re- maybe I'll review where he went here. I know yeah, he went he one place I used to go to all the time. So I'll see. Um, I hope he's careful. I don't want him to run out of his goodwill. So then they cut to Navarro. She's out in the middle of fucking nowhere. Actually, I think she went back to where Hank and them was talking because when they got out, when the militia dudes got out the truck, they dropped some oranges. I imagine oranges got to be high value items. Oh my God. (laughs) Crack. It got to be cocaine. (laughs) Anywhere near that motherfucker. That shit yeah, that be... is an import from the other side, the other hemisphere. It's in a different hemisphere. Um, so I guess I would just say, uh, okay, now you got me looking up, Keithley. Um, I would just say that Navarro also like is there's a spiritual aspect to her, and it's kind of confirmed here. Like she's a conduit, so we have this understanding that like her mother had issues seeing and hearing things to where like we think her it might she might have been mental, yeah, mental health issue. Her sister's convinced is spiritual. She's not sure. She thinks she'd be mental. So then Navarro now is like that missing. We're getting that info. But I think she also comes back to that spot because like the British lady who was saying 
that Travis told her. Like, I think she knows. Yeah, Rose. Like, yeah, there, there's a reason we're here. So I think she, we're going to see her come back to that spot. I feel like it's maybe like calling her. So she picks up an orange and throws that shit. And then you just see the orange get thrown back. And I'm like, this shit is not real. Like, this is not real. This is my position. I'll get to it earlier. I think Navarro is, and I don't mean this in a disparaging way. I just don't have a better way of saying this. You know how they talk about, like, some people can do drugs, but they're high functional? Like, they can they can do drugs, but, like, they're not addicts. Like, they don't be on the streets begging for money. Like, you know, like, I, I was listening to a podcast a long time ago, and they were talking about casual crack smokers. And I was like, do you realize there are people who casually smoke crack, which is like not something you consider. Like you consider other drugs casual use. You don't consider crack casual use, but there are people who go to work every day and then, you know, once a month they light up some, they light up some crack and smoke some crack, right? Those like casual crack smokers. And that's uh, a different type of brain wiring. Yeah. So like, I think Navarro is, has some of the same things that's happening to her sister and which happened to her mother. But she's just high functional. It doesn't like it doesn't completely overcome her in the way that it did her mom and it appears to be her sister. Yeah. She also though might be like a person who it breaks through. Um, I agree. I think it's like if this is her issue, it uh, she doesn't suggest that she's always been dealing with this. So it's like it's almost just like if you if one of us tried crack today, then me and you did a crack challenge on the podcast. We most likely would not like it would take a while for us to get to a point of ruining our lives because our brains are more wired. So I feel yes. like maybe she's just like later, she's just coming to it later, but we'll see. Cause like again, this show doesn't tell us shit. She could be dealing with it and she drinks at night. We don't we never went home with her. Like we don't know. Or she could actually be seeing this, or you're like, who fuck knows? I like that though. I like how it's leaving it up to interpretation. Uh I think that's a really good storytelling tactic. So then they cut back to the station. Navarro and Liz are laying out the evidence. Of course, they're laid out in that fucking spiral like we've been seeing this entire season. Um, Raymond and Annie seemed happy together, right? Like, the show wants you to think that he did this shit, but this episode is like throwing a wrench in that. It's like, oh, these, these niggas was happy together. Like, she was his world. You know, she's the one that wanted to keep the shit secret, we find out. Like, she she didn't want people to know she was dating Raymond. Raymond got the tattoo because of her. Like she had she had been had that tattoo. He got it to be like have some kinship with her. So like it seemed like they really cared about each other from what we could tell this episode. So like why would Raymond kill her, right? Particularly when he was new to the if you believe that she's in a cult of some sort with that tattoo, particularly that he would be the one coming in to that, not the one initiating that from everything that we've learned so far this episode. Um, uh, so <laughs> then they kind of break down because they're trying to work together and out, out of nowhere, basically Liz says, so are you still fucking that dog catcher or whatever? <laughs> or are you back into girls? Which leads to Chanel's theory that Liz and Navarro might've been together. Cause she's like, are you back in the girls? Um, uh, and then <laughs> Navarro makes a joke about fucking Connolly, and Liz is like, oh, shh. We in, the, we, in the, we in the station. What the fuck you doing? Don't be telling people that shit. And Navarro was like, bitch, everybody knows this shit. Like, we know that you fucking him. Like, what are you talking about? We all know this. Relax. The whole station knows. 
Um, yeah, I think like it's deeper than they make it seem like with them too. I think like because because she's so dismissive of them, but I think they're like court. I don't know. I think they could be very good together and also probably very like it's just like they do need to separate because they know too much about each other. So then they find a photo that didn't look like it was a selfie. It looked like it was taken by somebody else. And it was like, oh, somebody, someone knew about this shit. And then they look on the back of the photo and it has some like blue dye. And they looked at her hair and her hair was dyed blue. And she, and then Navarro was like, man, I know who took this fucking picture. And so the next scene, they go to Susan's crib. Susan's the hairdresser, which they talked to in season episode two. And she basically said she ain't know no shit. And Navarro was like, why the fuck you lie to me? Like, what you lie to me for? I thought we was cool. And Liz was, so Navarro was in there talking to her. And this was really kind of ador- adorable. Liz kind of comes in and was like, all right, let me get this little girl out of here because she's clearly flustered. And she comes in and she's like, want to make some mac and cheese? And she starts talking to her. I was like, she's really good with little girls. Why is she such a fucking asshole with Leah? Is she good? She's like real. She was really good with this little girl. And in the flashbacks, she seemed to be a little good with her little her son. But we'll get to it later with Leah. She ain't that no more. Um, so she gets the little girl out of there. And Susan was like, Yeah, I used to roll up to that facility. I used to give all the scientists in their haircuts because, you know, who else is gonna do that shit? And once and Annie kept asking me to go, kept asking me to go. So I was like, fuck it, let's go. So one time I took Annie. To the to the research center and her and Ray hit it off immediately. And she was like, he was really obsessed with that damn tattoo. And Navarro was like, Well, do you know what the fuck it means? And she said, I don't know what it means, but Annie said she was having dreams about it. And then she got the tattoo. Can you imagine being so obsessed with the image? And then she said the dream stopped. That's so obsessed with the no, image. Yeah. I mean, I think though that if you believe what well, do you believe in like the supernatural? You personally? Yes. Yeah. I feel like if you believe that something does exist, then I do think that there's only certain ways it communicates with you. And so I think like, I think it's more like these women are being tormented by like the spiritual trauma of this Ennis place because like, again, something's chasing you every night to where like you have to give in to it or else you won't get peace like or whatever the do- the sister's going through it's like that's the terrifying part to me is that something supernatural that you can't control you can't do a restraining order against it's just like look you're obsessed with this now boom like I own you I'm branding you and then whatever who knows what she did to get to who knows where it came from first but then dude gets pulled into it and then all these other people die like it, it really mm-hmm. if it is something deeply spiritual which i think that that's kind of where i'm leaning i think that um it's something from the from the things that people have said from rose from like the guy clark having the seizure in the beginning from the yeah the, like the ice them digging so the whole here's my theory i'll just get into it because now i'm thinking about it my theory is that they were digging deep into the ice they hit some shit that's old and deep and like they awaken some shit i literally think they awaken something they drill too deep they got in this like some deep darkness that's in the, that's in the ice and in, in the in the mantle core and that is awakened and i think that that is something that maybe like wants to get inhabit a body or like needs a host or something like that and that's mm-hmm. how like it it gets to you so if it's something like that which if it is like that 
I'm about to be like Sonya because I don't need that energy in my. I don't. I don't need none of that and something coming in my brain and ruining my ruining my life. But yeah, I think that might be what it is, um, and that would make sense. So yeah, so like she was clearly going through it, but it's interesting that Annie was going through all this shit. James said somebody tried to say she was touring around, but like she's with this guy and she's also like helping this save you know mother's lives by delivering children she's mm -hmm. also protesting like she, that girl had a lot going on not not so, in like a oh i can't I, that's why she died but just like wow like she's a complex character for them to have like this is based on her murder and us finding out about her life later navarro asked uh susan was raymond seemed like a violent man she was like no nah, he was a little weird but he appeared to be a sweetheart to me like he really loved he seemed to really love annie and she was like, Annie changed when they started going out. Like, she didn't want nobody to know that they were dating together. Like, all types of shit. And so, she was like, I started seeing a dude at Salau. This dude named Oliver. And they were, they was like, by that time, Lizzie came back in. Uh, no, Lizzie didn't come yeah, back in. She was like, fuck? what? Who the fuck? Who the fuck is Oliver? We looked up all Oliver the people Oliver Twist? Because I don't know and an she, Oliver. And she was like, he was an equipment manager. She He left before Annie died, which kind of throws you a red herring to make him look suspicious. Um, and then she said, but listen, I called the fucking police when this shit happened. I told them about Raymond and Navarro was like, what are you talking about? Like, there's no, like, we don't have anything about, uh, Raymond or anything. And she was like, I talked to someone and she's like, who'd you talk to? And they cut off. And we knew immediately that it was Hank stank ass that they, that she talked to. Um, so then they roll up, uh, Oh, so Navarro and Liz are talking about it, and she thinks that the mind is behind this. And this is another popular theory out there, like a lot of podcasts and stuff, is that they think that so a lot of people think that the something the mind is doing is fucking with people in Ennis. And uh, the prevailing theory is that something the mind is doing is fucking with the water. That's why the water is so dark and black and nasty. And that whatever they're doing with the water is causing people to hallucinate and see shit. And that's why like everybody's seeing shit and viewing shit and acting crazy. And it all and it all goes back to the mind. And they think that's what Annie found out about when she was killed. So that's that's the big theory going on. I think I think that mind is going to have something to do with this because it's it's just there, but they're not like really focusing on it, but they every episode they're like don't forget this mind's fucking here and it's terrible and they give you little hints about it but they don't really go too much into it so i kind of like that and then liz was like well she did make a good point she was like the mind employs half the people in this town so if it was just about somebody being mad because she's protesting the mind it could be literally anyone who would be so mad that if the mind went out of town if the mind left this shit this town would go to the shits um yeah, I mean, I think what's what would literally everyone anyone is interesting, right? Because it's like there are a lot of red herrings popping up now because like Hank could just be a terrible fucking cop or he could be complicit in her murder and have been like with the gang or around the gang or led the gang that beat her up and stabbed her and all that, right? Like it could be that. It could be the rich people who own the mine and are it could be something evil. Like it could it, it could be something evil inhabited Clark and he murdered her. So there definitely is a lot. And so I'd be curious to see looking back if it's like, oh, it was like <laughs> 
some dude she met on Bumble and that and like you know what I mean like what if it like it was some ran random person coming through um so I think that would be interesting to see if like it's a theory that was clear all along or if it was just and I, and I think what I will say I, I said how she's so complex but the truth is that that's life you know what I mean like if you god forbid like you know, everything's not a, a forensic files episode. Like when people die, you're like, wait, what? Like there was, there's always so much going on in people's lives that, and sometimes people's lives are messy. So I guess it, you don't always have like a clear suspect. And I think that's interesting for this story. So then they, uh, they end up talking and, you know, Navarro was like, yo, this some like, this some otherworldly shit. And Liz starts mocking her. She's like, oh, like the chupa chupa, <laughs> and she was trying to say chupacabra. Yeah, she was. And it, I mean, which she... I thought the chupacabra was a Puerto Rican, like a. I thought that was like a like a something down there zoology, like cryptic thing. I didn't know that was a everywhere thing. And then, uh, uh, yeah, was like, I mean, interesting. It means it's Spanish for sure. Yeah, I could have swore it was, but. So then uh she was like, No, I, I believe in this shit. And then um I don't like that. I don't know why I'm not looking this shit about to get too creepy for me. I gotta be honest <laughs> with you. Keep going now. So then Liz phone beeps and 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 uh Navarro was like, I think she said it was that Peter or something. I don't know. She made a joke. And then Liz was like, No, I got a tender match. <laughs> and she was like you on Tinder and Ennis? It's like five niggas in here. What are you doing? Like, and then Liz yeah, was like, actually, said, I, I set sure my I profile up to Fairbanks, which is like yeah, an actual like city. <laughs> 30 miles away, probably. Like, she got to go all the way out there. But, I mean, she's smart. And her, unless she's lying, by the way. But her shit be, be beeping. Her shit be beep, beep. Like, you have heard that beep. So, I would love to find out that it's not that. Um, and that she's lying because she has something else, like, smart going on. But, or... What if this show just gives us a Tinder date in the middle of the season? Like, either one works. She, yeah, she said, I don't shit where I eat. And Navarro was like, since when? <laughs> since when did that start? So that's another thing that you may think that they were together at some point. Uh, or she could be talking about Connolly from the previous episode. Um, and so Navarro says, but look, Liz was like, what do you do when you're alone? Like, and lonely. And Navarro was like, I pray. And Liz is basically like... <laughs> You pray? What's wrong with you? Like she was going in. <laughs> and so then they cut to the ice rink. Hank shows up. Peter's still watching them fucking bodies. And Peter's trying to tell her that uh the, uh Liz wants you to call her. She she Hank was like, Yeah, I'm not doing that. Anyway, I found these fucking skates, and you used to be good on these skates, so I'm trying to make good with you. So let me know when you want to go out and skate. And Hank asked kind of suspiciously, so what the fuck's Liz and Navarro up to? And and Peter is like, you know, same shit. Anyway, let me ask you this. What the fuck happened between them? Like she won't tell me. So Pete clearly knows Liz was full of shit. She don't he don't believe that fucking story one bit. And Hank was like, I don't know, but he also seemed to be full of shit. I think Hank do know what happened, but he didn't want to tell her what happened. And so then Liz shows up um, 
Liz and Navarro shows up, and Navarro runs right into Hank's face, like, you fucking bitch, like, they told you about Annie's murder a long time ago, you hit that shit, you piece of shit, like, why the fuck would you do that? And Navarro was, I mean, Hank is just, no, like, no, no, what happened was, they, they, people were sending in, lead, just to be clear, people were sending in leads, and had suggested that she had dated this guy, and it was never, like, noted, they never mm-hmm. questioned him, and so, yeah, like, it was, um, and then he tried, and then that's when he says, Oh, you know, she fucked half an innocent, which there's no proof of that. There's absolutely no proof of that, right? Like it's just a it is a going back to like misogynoir, it's him saying using excuse that would mean if she did fuck everybody, why that would be even crazier for her to get killed because she's making half the people in town happy. Why would they like think about it like that? You know what I mean? So um I say all that to say, like, yeah, he that's when I was like, this nigga's dirty and it's so clear to me that he's dirty i just don't know about what um and i love navarro for being like i don't give a fuck about my rank like you're full of shit hank and so i'm waiting i'm praying on this nigga's downfall i am i want a dramatic i want like a a corny scene where he gets told off and he gets fired and we have to watch him pack up his his stuff while danvers like has her hands on her hips like in the studio audience danvers rolled up (laughs) and tried to get in between them yeah, and... she's like, she's buffeting, and I'm like, no, da- or uh, buffering, and I'm like, no, 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 that nigga needs his ass beat. Well, this nigga Hank says to Liz, uh, you're playing Mrs. Robinson with my fucking son, <laughs> like, basically saying you're trying to fucking seduce my boy. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and that's not how she moves. My girl fucks married men who are unavailable. She knows that if she <laughs> fucked that child, he would be in love with her and leave his wife. Like she's she knows the power of the pussy. She's not she's not crazy. Like, and that's yeah. such a low blow. It just shows how shitty Hank is. Like, he first of all, I'm telling you this again. I said this last time I'll say it again. You're not going to smack me and I have a gun on my waist. I don't care who you are. And like, so when the dad came and gave him skates and he didn't say, hey, dad, don't ever put your fucking hands on me again. I was like, I'm not really like if push comes to shove. I don't know what that son's going to do when it comes to like being a good cop or bad cop. If it was literally his father or her. Um, and he said like, oh, blood is everything or whatever. Basically being like she don't own you. And it's like, OK, so do you own him? Like, right. what do you think? You think you own him? So Hank is just triggering me. I mean, the, the actor, I forget what the man's name, the actor's doing his job because I've forgotten everything he's ever been in before and I just hate him. So great job. Liz threw coffee in his face. Hank just took that shit too, like a fucking psychopath. He ain't do, like, he just stood there, wiped his fucking face off, calm as shit. And I was like, this is scary. And Navarro was he's fucking losing guy. it. He walks, he's, uh, Liz says, go do your job. And Navarro was like, go do your job? Like, that's all? Yeah, that's it. Go do your fucking yeah. job? And she storms off. Uh, and then next time we see Navarro, she's at uh, Kavik's little ice hut. He got like a little hut where he go ice fishing. And she was like, look, I know you be out in these streets. You run the bar. You be out in these streets. You hear things. We looking for this dude named Oliver. He a nomad. He be out there in the middle of nowhere. Like, Ask around, let me know something. And then Quavik was like, Yeah, I'll do that, but like I, I got I got a quit pro quo. I need to know something about you. Navarro was like, fuck you, storms off. Yeah, I was he like, God damn. He literally on me. 
literally says, hey, I'll do this thing for you that would like blow my cover and like help me. Like I'll, I'll leverage my network and I'll bring this man out of hiding for you. I just want to know what your favorite color is. And she's like, bitch, get the fuck out of my face. Like storms out. It's like you just said, it's so dramatic. And I'm like, damn, this girl is like, like armored up um and then she realizes she's being an asshole and she's like okay actually I can. like he doesn't say you know send me a picture bent over in the mirror she doesn't he doesn't say that, let me she take probably would have done that that would have been easier for her that she would have <laughs> preferred that yep no he says i want to know what's important to you i want to know your biggest fear she goes fuck and so yeah like you said she comes back and she goes okay fine 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 and that's how we actually learn more about yeah she he asked her to tell him about her mom yeah, and, and she so talks she about did. how she was born in Boston. So we find out she's from Boston. But her dad wasn't shit, was abusive to her mom, abusive to her, her sister. Um, she's like, her mom had some mental issues. And kind of one day, she just ran out the house and never came back. And then we found her dead. And we never knew who the killer was. I was like, that's just fucked up. Oh, she did say that. She found her dead. I forgot. Yeah. I thought, I was like, the the petty in me was like, so you from Boston? Your mom was killed. Your sister is going through some shit, and you thought it'd be a good idea to take that woman to Ennis, Alaska, where it'd be dark as shit every day, and there's no people. That ain't. I don't think that's the best place to go if you are suffering for some uh, trauma. I feel like that might be one of the last places I go. Siberia. Ennis, Alaska, North Pole, Antarctica. I feel like I don't want to be in them places. Um, and so then they go to the mine protests, and Leah, uh, Liz's daughter, shows up. And somebody walks in for pure exposition, and they were just basically like, you're the daughter of the chief of police. <laughs> yeah, she should. And she was like, yeah, but, but, but. And the, the woman was like, yeah, you good, though. We, if, as long as you're in the right place, you good. We don't care. We want all people. So they basically give this speech about some shit, and then they have a moment of silence because there was a, a quote, another stillborn birth uh, that happened in the community. Uh, so it appears to be some type of common occurrence that's happening recently with uh, yeah, stillborns. Um, yeah, I, um, sorry. I just wanted to um, ask you because we moved on quick. Do you... Um, what do you think just okay so you said damn about her mom dying like that but in general um I guess I'm just trying to figure out like what like do we feel like there's anything missing from that story do we feel we have enough understanding now like what do you think is going on with the dad the mom like well no I think that's the story I think that just kind of explains Navarro basically it appears that she basically had to take care of her do- her sister from there so that's why she's so like a maternal figure to her to Jules but also that type of trauma having an abusive father and a mother who on top of being abused was also dealing with her own own things and then she just mysteriously left and died like when was killed like that would cause some real serious trauma uh and so Navarro kind of I think her way of dealing with that is power, like internalizing. Like, we know she went to the military. She then became a cop. Like, the first time we saw her fuck Kavik, it was absolutely a power move. The way she did that, that was not like, 
let's be sensual thing. It was like, I'm going to yeah, dominate this was, experience. Yeah. And, and it also was like, I got to go. So I don't care that you want to enjoy it. Like, let me get what I got. It was like, there was yeah. something in it that was like, it was like she was giving to him, but in a very selfish way. Yeah. So she, she clearly has like internalized this in a way that she's going to be like super protective and kind of a hard, hard ass. And her sister, it, it, it clearly fucked with her. And her fear is, I don't want to be like mom. I don't want to just roll off and be, you find me dead somewhere, right? But I can't, like, I'm still having trouble dealing with all my shit. So I think it kind of explains the dynamic with that family, which was some good background. Um, and so then they uh, cut to Danvers' house and she's still going through evidence at the house. She ain't cooked shit. Leah rolls up and she got the tribal marks back under her chin again. And Liz freaks the fuck out. Now, I am not about to defend Liz's parenting because this is terrible shit. However, what but, I will say yeah. is it is clear that something is triggering her with this. Yeah. Like there's there's something. I think it I'm I'm assuming it has something to do with her husband and her son who were Nate who were indigenous exactly. and why they're not here is my guess. And yeah, something... I mean also not even just that, like what they did to Annie K was terrible. And we know yeah. As much as she like tried to discourage Navarro, she clearly never forgot it. Because the minute Navarro brought it up, she started investigating it, and she understands how gruesome the crime was. Like she's doing that thing where she's negating what Navarro is saying, but I almost feel like maybe she's doing it because she's trying to. She doesn't want to. She feels like if she validates Navarro's feeling, then Navarro would feel valid to go do something crazy, maybe. But um, I do think she's scared for her because she recognizes. Whether whatever the powers that be are, she's not powerful enough as whatever her position is in police. She's not powerful enough to protect her daughter, that daughter. She knows that. Yeah, well, I forgot to mention it, but one of the things Navarro said was that like I was taken to Boston, so I never got to know my indigenous name. Like I didn't, yeah. I didn't learn that part I of my say culture. The word. Uh, I wish I could. Mm -hmm. I could, yeah, I can't say the word either. Uh, and so Leah seems to be someone who was kind of brought up in that environment to an extent. And so she's trying to like understand her roots a little bit more. And Liz is like, just, I don't know if something bad happened with that. Or she thinks that if she does that, that she's going to get judged and not be able to, you know, live a life. Like there's something I don't, I'm yeah. not saying Liz is clearly wrong in this moment, but there's, there's something that's not malevolent, malevolent that's tr triggering her. I don't think she's just like, I'm a racist piece of shit. Get that shit off your face. I think there's like something a little bit more to it that's triggering yeah, her. Yeah, I don't think she's, her but she's it. doing it in like a child, adult child of an alcoholic white woman yes. way of like pulling her across the trailer, a, a trailer home and telling her to do something, which is not a trailer home, but like that. that Wipe aesthetic. that shit off your face. That's what she said. Yeah, exactly. Instead of like, hey, I need to let you know that I'm concerned about this. So can we talk about this and like what you would do in this? Because what you really need to do is make sure she's safe. And like, right. that's really what you should be talking about. But she doesn't, she doesn't do that. So I totally agree. Like it's, it's very, um, it's interesting because it's, it's a misnomer. Like you would think, oh, it's this way, but she clearly gives more fucks than Hank. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like she's clearly like a less. I think she. I, I think she absolutely cares about Leah, but she's just fucked up. <laughs> like she's. I mean, up fucked too. about like the world more than anything, yeah. right? And um, and I think Leah's searching for. First of all, she's disconnected from heritage. She's searching for um meaning, and then also, and I think I cut you off when you talk about this. 
the mine is absolutely poisoning this town. Like that's mm -hmm. a clear fact. Like they are not exaggerating. They're not being dramatic. And the fact that 50% of the town is employed in this mine is why it's going to be a Flint, Michigan. Because at the end of the day, like when you surround yourself with one industry and that industry has any, does not have long-term sustainability, you're setting yourself up and it's in the middle of nowhere and it's the dark of it's the death of night right now. So I don't, I don't think that it's actually, as much people want to say mining is like good for the town. It's not good because they don't have a contingency plan. They don't have a sustainable mm -hmm. energy backup. They don't have, oh, we're investing in windmills and you guys can learn IT in the meantime. So I really don't want to hear it about this mine being necessary. And she, yeah, Leah actually says to her, she's like, what do you want from me? Liz says, and Leah's like, I want you to give a fuck, like give a fuck about She's like, I do care about you. And Liz is, and Leah's like, no, not about me, about everything that's going on around you. And she's like, did you even know there was another stillbirth today? And then Liz kind of shut the fuck up. She was like, oh, I didn't know that. Um, and so then they uh, they cut outside. Someone was running. Uh, oh, Denver, I mean, um, uh, Navarro was outside. And then she was running and slipped on the ice and bust her head on the, on the fucking ground. And it kind of went into like a flashback and it was of Holden. It was like weird. Yeah, so it was weird. That was that was Danvers' son who was grandfather. Right. Uh, right. It was definitely Danvers' son who passed away. We know that because and the main the main giveaways were that stuffed that stuffed bear that she saw yeah. in real life with the messed up eye, which again, I don't think that I don't know how real that was or if um, but clearly Navarro and Danvers are connected because Navarro is hearing from her passed away child and Danvers also has heard from the child in some way. So like before in the dream, so there's a connection there. And then secondly, um, the I don't know when the baby died, but basically they were like in like a arid climate, like it was like a desert almost. And so mm -hmm. that backstory is confusing because I think the well, father it looks like, died in the- It looks like the same flashback from earlier when she was- Remember she saw that military person that had half a face and they were out in the desert and half her head was chopped, like half her head was blown off. Oh, I forgot about that. It was that same place. It was the same background. Yeah, there's something. Yeah. So like clearly, clearly we're, we're missing an entire recap of like what really happened, but for whatever, what for what it's worth, she's connected to this family in that way. And I'm curious about why. So uh, she gets a call about Julia and basically said that like, she was screaming that someone is coming. Then she just started praying nonstop. And Navarro was like, all right, I know where she's at. Uh, so they cut to Pete's house. Pete's trying to sneak into bed because he's late as shit getting home again. Knocks some shit over, wakes up the kid. Uh, next thing we know, we see Kayla, his wife, up study. She's like, I got an exam in the morning. I might as well just stay up and study for this shit. Um, Pete asked if he's in trouble. And she was like, he was like, I think, you act like a, like Danvers is taking me from you or some shit. And then Kayla was like, it's not just one case. Danvers is going to keep calling you on and on. And she, whenever she calls, you're going to run. And Pete was like, you married a cop. I'm a cop, like, nigga. You, <laughs> like, what you what's want? going on? And Kayla was like, you weren't always a cop. You used to be like this stupid kid that made me laugh. And then Pete was like, what if I didn't want to be a stupid kid that make you laugh for the rest of my life? Like, I wanted to do some shit. Uh, and then next thing you yep. know, Danvers is texting this nigga about some random shit. Uh, She's texting him in all caps, like a like a boomer. 
Like, did you find out about the man or not? Basically, because they're still trying to track down this guy who um, clearly used to work there and, and is in hiding for some reason. So then they give like a montage of all these different people in the city and shit. And then we get another little um, card that says December 23rd, sixth day of night. Uh, Danvers shows up at like this facility where they were like paying respects to the woman who basically had to still burn. Yeah, that's when it started getting trippy for me. I was like, where are we? And then I was like, oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. And then that seemed to like really hit Danvers and she ran into the bathroom try to wash your hands, you just see this dirty-ass fucking water come out of the sink, and she realizes like, oh, this shit is different over here. They're really, and they've been yeah. saying it, they've been saying the water is literally black, and people yeah. think they're exaggerating, and it's like, uh, clearly their kids are dying because the, re- like, imagine, um, or yeah, think about like, you're, you're being, you're being birthed into a, a pool, and that water's dirty, like stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Who knows if you're drinking that water and it's not filled, Brenda's not filtering out gunk. You know what I'm saying? Brenda's not filtering out tar. No. And so it's like you're you are getting sick, and your baby's not gonna survive. Like it's all so clear to me when they put it like that. So they cut back to the rink, uh, and Pete's little uh, earlier. Pete said he had a he had somebody that could fly in to come in, drive in to look at the bodies. Because Navarro couldn't really do like formal shit because if he did, if she did, it had to go to a Anchorage. So Pete gets his buddy that's a veterinarian to come in. And he basically says, Look, I can't do a full post mortem on them, but these niggas die before they froze to death. He's like, Does this look like somebody who dies of hypothermia? That's not how fucking hypothermia looks. She was like, My best bet is cardiac arrest. Like, I seen some caribou get scared and they just die of pure fear. fear. That's what this shit was like to me. Uh, yeah, so basically saying that like they didn't run outside, get scared to death, and then, well, actually, I guess when you think about it, that makes sense, right? Like they're frozen, but they're frozen in these fearful poses, like somebody ripped their eyes out, all that stuff. And so um, I think they're saying like they might not have been on the, they weren't on the ice when this happened. So who knows like mm-hmm. where it started or like kind of what happened. So Liz asks Pete, have you cracked uh, Annie's phone yet? And she's like, I'm not a fucking hacker. And she's like, you're young. <laughs> and, and then Navarro comes in and is like, look, I found Oliver. He's in a nomad camp up north. And then Pete was like, I looked up on Google and I did a research and I didn't find any of that shit. And Navarro's like, yeah, because some shit now on the internet, rookie. But also, like, he basically was like, that nigga don't have no no fucking food stamps. He don't got no fingerprints. He ain't got like, I can't find his birth certificate. So I do think this dude is like off the grid in a way where, like she says, she says like it's native, the native grapevine basically. I forget what she calls it, but um, yeah, I mean, fair enough. Right. And that's, I think that shows why like you have to have diverse representation in any type of like public service because she reflects a community in a way that like they would never think about. So I bet you didn't notice this. They show up to the nomad camp and these guys come up to like confront them. Did you know that one of the guys that was up there was the same guy that we saw in the opening scene of this show that was trying to shoot the caribou when they all ran off the when they all ran off the cliff? That was one of the guys that was at the nomad camp. Okay, where that I mean that makes sense actually. So I wonder if they know what's good, like if they know something's going on with the earth. 
and the the bionic ice that came the super bacteria that came out the ice and is haunting everyone. Like I'd be curious mm-hmm. to see what the native theories are. And so Navarro says, look, uh Liz is being like super white cop, and Navarro's like, listen, Oliver's not a suspect. We just want to talk about t- uh t- uh what is it called? Tasala. I forget how you say it. Um, Halal, the, like Halal. Salal, Halal, yeah, about the research facility. And they, she was, he, they was like, oh, all right, then. His hut, his hut, or whatever they called it, his house is over here. So she, they bang on the door. You don't hear shit. And Liz is like, oh, he in there. So she, like, fakes a conversation, I guess, to, like, a police trick so that it's not illegally entering the house. And he's sitting there in the chair with a fucking shotgun, like, take one more step, I will it. blow your and- fucking head off. And what's crazy is why they couldn't just why he could just say, "Hey, don't come in here." Like it, it was very dramatic for no reason. And he's basically like, "Look, I own this property. You take one more step, I will knock your neck loose. Don't do nothing." Uh, and she asked, she was like, "Listen, Navarro's like, I just want to ask you about Annie, and you know, and what happened at Salal Research Center." And this nigga was like, "What you mean? What happened with the scientists?" And Navarro's like, oh, you ain't know? Them niggas dead. We found them in the ice. Like, they dead. And Oliver was, and that, like, it looked like he didn't know about it. And he was just like, get the fuck out of here. Like, leave right goddamn now. Get the fuck out of my house. Uh, if you come back again, I'm going to blow and you again, up. By the way, he is telling them to their face, they are pussy. Because you're telling the cops to get the fuck up out your house. Like, What's going on? Hank would have put two in his head just for fun. Like, <laughs> so I was just so confused about his gall, but I think it's just a different, it's a different, it's, <clears throat> it's night country. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is the type mm. of shit they can get away with. So then uh, they get a call that uh, Liz gets a call that Anders is awake. And she's like, hold, like, I'm on my way. She puts on the sirens and they peel off. Uh, they show Anders, that nigga went through hell. Like, he looks like, I don't even know how to describe it. Uh, and Danvers is trying to talk to him, and he's just screaming nonstop. And then he, like, finally puts some words together, and he says, like, they said that she's out in the ice. She comes for us in the dark. And then next thing you know, it's like a big-ass fight with them people. Oh, the people that Hank had, they roll up in the hospital, and there's, like, a big-ass fight in there. I don't know what the fuck happened there. And then they cut back to Navarro. She's by Hank's. Well, I think, by the way, the fight continued before you get to the important part. The fight yeah. continues to be minors versus natives and people being like, you're trying to ruin my livelihood and people being like, you're literally killing us. And we saw that we've seen those fights at one-on-one. I think that's what keeps happening in the town. And it's so weird because Danvers goes out and is like giving out handcuffs. And I was just like... <laughs> I can't remember you don't you don't really shoot a bullet into the ceiling, but I wanted her so bad to shoot a bullet into the ceiling. Like sit the fuck down. But it says she's like she's so small. It's so funny because she is so kick ass, but she's really small. And I was just cracking up at her trying to wrangle everybody. So then they cut to Navarro. She's still she's standing like right outside of Anders' door. And so then Anders does like the Undertaker sit up. Like if you ever watch wrestling, how the Undertaker sits up and rolls his eyes in the back of his head, and then I'm yes, gonna play the like, scene. Like perf- perfect posture. And I'm gonna play the scene of what happened. Hello, Evangeline. 
Your mother says hello. She's waiting for you. dies Chanel do you think that was real or in her head yes yes nigga that shit happened you think that happened you don't think it happened I think that was all in her head no 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 that there's what was in her head was her imagining little boy that's dead talking to her what was what happened was that orange getting thrown back in her from the dark that was not made up. I think that the things that are happening in Salah and not in Salah and Ennis are happening. Now, the bear, maybe she only she saw the bear. But I think that, like, it doesn't really matter because it's, it's like, it, even if it's only happening to her, it's happening. I think that's what's important here, right? Like, even if only she's hearing it, like, the, somebody's talking to her. I think that's that's what I took away from it. I definitely wasn't – I was like, oh, they, we're sci-fi now. Okay, now we're supernatural. We're all 100% supernatural. No more, oh, there's a murderer, a serial killer out there. No, fuck that. This shit is coming out the ice. And um, her mom is a part of it. Like, I was – but I think that would make sense because these stories are going to have to intertwine in some kind of wild-ass way or else it's just a buddy cop drama. And that's not what this show is, If especially if it's taken after the first season. So then they <laughs> cut back and Navarro, Liz calls Navarro and she's like, Pete cracked uh, Annie's phone. And so he shows them this video uh, that was in Annie's phone. And I'm going to play that uh, for you. So right before that, she had said that she had found some shit. She looks like she's like in a glacier somewhere. Uh, and she found some shit that's going to change everything. But we never find out what it is. Here's my thing, Chanel. She's clearly underground somewhere or in some cave or somewhere out in the wilderness in the middle of fucking nowhere, right? But she don't have no message, business being, most likely. Recording a message on her phone. Mm-hmm. How her phone end up back in that fucking... Uh, Winter Bagel trailer. Um, the killer. So the killer kills her. So if it's Clark, one. right? If it's Clark, he kills her, and somehow he has his phone, or maybe Clark is with her when she dies, some kind of way, has a phone, and Clark makes it back to the place. Or maybe she doesn't die there. Oh, fair enough. Yeah, I mean, I think I think we have. 12% of the whole story I think they're giving us some stuff and it's leading us to think oh this is what happened but like what really happened is going to be nothing we've seen in the first four episodes mm-hmm. gotta be right because they they led us down this path of she was savage by these white the by the white militia 
in camo, camo that snuck up on her somehow still in camo, right? So we started with that, and it was like racially motivated, and they wanted to stab her to show her something. It was a sexual, sexually motivated crime. Then we go to what well, actually um, these niggas are dead because some witch came out the ice to like, oh, Hank might have something to do with it. To there's definitely some supernatural to like that spiral thing is connected to, and I think because we, we know about the spiral later, we're all. You know what's the name of the people who are funding the place? The 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 guy from the season one oh, that the, had the, the, the school. Two, uh, t- the Tuttles. The Tuttle, right? Like, there's it could be in, like you said, it could be half the town people invest in the mine. So, I think this is a just hurry up and wait kind of show where we just see what it is when it is because there's nothing else we can do. Yeah, but I uh, do think Hank Hank is Hank needs to go to federal prison. I don't know what he did, but he did some shit. I tell you that right now. Yeah, you know, for those of you listening, now you you realize that Chanel's a profiler, so she I'm she, so prejudiced. she's Crazy very prejudiced. prejudiced. She sees a <laughs> she sees a white cop in Alaska. He must be terrible. There's nothing you could learn. There's nothing you could Shut do to not up. be terrible. We've literally seen Hank be dead. Hank was like Hank was letting out the town drunk, the, t- the resident drunk driver. As long as she gave him roadhead on the way home, he did not give a fuck. Well, you know. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, you know exactly. Anyway, I don't know what you um, want me. I'm not defending Hank. Yeah. I so just, this um, this series is only six episodes. So we're halfway through. What? Yeah, so oh, six I didn't episodes. Know that I didn't know that. So we got three episodes left. Um, That's actually this. insane. Because that, that means we're gonna do a lot more. It's gonna get crazier before it gets simpler. Yes, it's gonna it's gonna go into overdrive pretty soon, because I like Chanel said. I think we're very early in the story. We're definitely not fifty percent in the story. I can tell you that. So they're gonna have to cover some ground these next three episodes uh, to figure out to get us to the end of this and what happened. But I am all the way on board with this. Uh, I'm glad we chose this. Um, I'm glad that we said this in the first episode, but I'm glad that indigenous people are getting to shine, particularly this episode. We saw the birth center, you know, we saw the protest. We saw, I didn't mention it, but we saw like, uh, like this singing thing they do. Um, that was kind of really interesting to see at at this at the when after they gave the moment of silence for the baby that was stillborn. Uh, like we really got to see indigenous culture um, in this episode, in from you know something that was sad to something that was really happy and beautiful with the birth uh, happening and anything in yeah. between. Well, literally, we saw a baby come into this world. And almost not make it. And then we made saw a baby not come into this world. And like you said, we also saw um, them organizing in a way I think that's really interesting, right? Because we talked a lot about these protests and like we had this target on Annie's back. Like maybe it's because she was protesting, somebody killed her. So it's good to see like their protests are mad peaceful and mad community oriented. So we saw that too. And I think that, you know, just going back to what this show is, it's absolutely a major moment of representation for natives and native women. And so with all of that said, I think that's a really, um, that's just an important thing to think about with this show. Um, you know what I just thought about? You know who sad. Liz is? You know who Liz is to me? Danvers, you're going to think this is ridiculous. She is William from Girlfriends. <laughs> Say more. 
she's kind of terrible, but there's like something charming about him, about her that like you want to pull out of her to get through. It's kind of William. He was pretty terrible on that show, but he was still friends. No, I I mean, in, if in that sense, hell yeah. Like, I think, um, you know, there's redeeming things later. I think, like, we already know she's an asshole, but she's, like, her motivation makes is way more clear, I think, than um, most characters like that. Like, the way, like, again, Hank, Hank just seems like, like, you know, Hank is lonely, but Hank is also so fucking annoying that you don't really care whereas like she's annoying but it's always it seems like it's for a good cause I think that's the difference like like she she busts your balls but she also like gets the case done and like locks the person up and like tries to go like reads the handbook whereas Hank busts your balls for his own to have more money to send to Svetlana right um mm-hmm. so I think that's kind of what the issue is but yeah I, I like her character and I think this is an interesting show. And I just really apologize, you guys, because I probably sound like um, strangling. I probably sound like what the people in the ice sounded like when they were dying. But I promise I'm I'm not in pain. You're just in pain listening. And hopefully by next week, I will sound normal again. Cool. So thank you all for listening. Remember, leave us a five-star review if you enjoy the show on iTunes or Spotify. We'll read it on the show. Uh, if you have some feedback for us, leave us a five-star review anyway, and then send us an email, and we'll take that into consideration. You can email us, speaking of that, at wewasdragons at gmail.com. Wewasdragonspod, sorry, at gmail.com. Tell us about what you're thinking about this show, any theories you have going forward, anything you want us to review after this show mm-hmm. is over. Um, yeah. Oh, by the way, because I was speaking of all this, I was going through the inbox, and we never went back to Reservation Dogs. So I think we do need to like do our best to get on that, um, especially before summer, because summer's a whole different busy schedule. You know what I mean? So let's let's try to get Red Dogs in if we can. And then uh, we will be back next week for uh, episode four of True Detective Night Country. Thank you all for listening and talk to you all later.